0: Amen, and if you would remain standing and grab your Bibles and make your way to Psalm 23 this morning. We are going to be studying and exploring two verses of Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 1 and 2, but for context and to really experience the fullness of this song, you just can't listen to a piece of a song, right? You have to listen to the whole thing, and so... Uh, Each week, we will be making our way reading through the whole psalm, but focusing in on specifics today, one through two. We believe this is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Heavenly Father, it is good to be with your people in your house this morning. You inhabit the praises of your people. Your present is uniquely manifest amongst your people gathering to study, to declare, to gaze at your beauty and your glory. So, Father God, we ask for your help this morning. That through the power of your Spirit, you would do a work in us by which only you can do. Not manipulation, not opinion, but your truth, restoring and renewing and bringing us closer to you. Father God, we don't want to walk out of this building the same. We need you. We ask for your help, good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, how's it? And aloha to all of you. We are uh, truly um, humbled and thankful to have you with us this morning, worshiping Jesus. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you're at um, in life But but we're beginning a mini-series in Psalm 23 for regardless of where you're at, we believe that, that, that if you are in need of comfort, we pray that God would comfort you through Psalm 23. And then if you were in need of being challenged, that God through the Holy Spirit would challenge you through Psalm 23. But regardless of wherever you're at, We believe that God through Psalm 23 is going to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is our hope and that is our prayer. You know, Proverbs says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. That is to say that that God's word can speak to us uniquely, distinctly, because it is His powerful word through the Holy Spirit, which can meet us wherever we are at presently in our life. And when God meets us where we're at in His word in our life, He brings then He brings us to Himself. So I don't know what you're going through. Yeah, even I, I'm going through some stuff this morning. Um, yesterday evening, my um, my or. Saturday morning, or rather, early Saturday morning, my, my grandmother passed away. And so, uh, even as I'm reading through Psalm 23 and studying for the sermon, I'm finding this these verses to bring great, great comfort, as I hope they will for you. But before we jump in, before we jump into Psalm 23, how would you describe God? What words, what images flood into your mind as you think about God? What language would you use to describe Him? What adjectives would come to your mind when you think of a description about God? Oftentimes when we think about God, we often think about one attribute of God, one adjective, one one thought or one um, description of him. And what we do sometimes, believe it or not, we can latch on to one attribute of God unaware that we are actually isolating other attributes of his nature and his character. For example, some may say, God is powerful. And that would be true. God is sovereign. God is powerful. He's omnipotent, but even in his power, a lot of times in grasping onto him being powerful, we forget maybe that he is relational, right? Others would say God is loving, but in saying that God is loving, we may knowingly or unknowingly ignore his wrath and his justice. Others might be enamored by his righteousness, his holiness, yet forget about his kindness. Some might think of his grace, but forgetting about his anger, his holy righteous anger. We cannot isolate one attribute or description of God above another. Now we do that sometimes because we're human and we're sinful and our minds are small and finite and we're trying to understand and comprehend an infinite God? It's crazy. However, we need to make sure when it comes to thinking about knowing and understanding God that we must fully know who he is. He is always all of those things that we just talked about or, and more of what the Bible describes of who God is. God never fails to be any of his attributes at any p- moment in time. It's not like God turns off the switch for one attribute while turning on another switch of his attribute. God is the fullness of who he is all the time. God, we, we have a hard time understanding how God simultaneously love and hates, right? Because it's kind of hard for us to love and hate, right? Like, I love you, but I hate you right now. I mean, just, we we kind of say those things, but in reality, we really love or hate in that moment, Right? God can simultaneously love and hate. God can be kind and God can be wrathful. God can be angry. God can be compassionate. God can be just and God can be gracious all at the same time. God emanates all of his divine attributes all of the time. God is unable to fully be himself. He is always himself all of the time. And the reason I say this is because the author of this song, this psalm, track 23, is none other than shepherd become a king, David. King David, the great king of Israel. And David in this psalm poetically, David in this psalm theologically, gives us a full description of who God is. David does not latch onto one attribute of God while ignoring the others. David in this psalm is going to say, hey, hey, this is who God is. And who is this God? Who is this Lord David is talking about? Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David says the Lord is my shepherd the lord let's focus on that for a moment what is that word yahweh in hebrew the lord lord meaning sovereign lord meaning king and ruler that god is the sovereign that the lord david is speaking about here is he is the one who creates all things he is the one by his power hold holds all things together guys do you know god is holding this universe together by the power of his word It's the Lord David is talking about here. The Lord who owns everyone, everything, does whatever he wills, whenever he wants, however he pleases. Yet David in this psalm says, This Lord, that is his Lord, the God, incredible in power, yet intensely personal. How so? The Lord, David says, is my shepherd. This powerful, Incredible God, who is sovereign over all things, is David's personal Savior. See, David here is, is capturing for us the God emanating his reign, his sovereign rule and reign, and his relational attribute as shepherd. See, many people are familiar with this psalm, right? Many of you know this psalm, even if you don't have much of a church background. You know Psalm 23. Uh, it's very trendy. It's a very trendy verse in recent cultural history, and it's sung about in songs. Psalm 23 is is portrayed in films. Um, it's read oftentimes at funerals, even if like the person did not know or love the Lord at all. But I am concerned that while we know Psalm 23, do we know the, the shepherd of this psalm? Maybe we intellectually know it at arm's length, but, but do we embrace the shepherd? Do we know the shepherd? Do we know this God. I'm afraid that maybe for some of us this morning, even as Christians, maybe we, we sometimes stray and wander. Maybe David's confession is not our confession where we can say, for me, the Lord is my shepherd. David here says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is speaking of personal here. This is a personal shepherd. In other words, David knows this Lord, and this Lord knows David because he is my shepherd, David says. Personal. In fact, Martin Luther, the great reformer, says, one of the great things, and I'm paraphrasing this, but one of the great things about the Bible is that whenever God is mentioned, he's often mentioned with a personal pronoun. My. Not God is a shepherd. Not God is some shepherd. Not that somehow God is... The shepherd, though he is the chief shepherd, but God, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's personal. He's referring to him as relational, yet all the meanwhile, he is being sovereign. I think of our problem today, though, being detached from the person, the personal relationship, the relational God that we should know and love. Wasn't just a problem we have today, it was also a problem in Jesus' day. Did you know That people were very acquainted with. They knew the Bible. Like they knew the word of God. But they actually didn't know God. They didn't know the Lord. In fact Jesus. In John 5.39. Has an astonishing accusation. That he brings up. With the religious Jewish leaders. At the time. And these were the people who were supposed to get it right. These are the people who were supposedly worshipping God. They had the first five books of the Bible memorized. For, let me just ask: When was the last time you read Leviticus, and how did that go? Right? Did you memorize it? The Pharisees did. The religious people did. Yet, you know, what is Jesus' accusation of them? Listen to this. Listen to these sharp words Jesus uses. John five thirty nine: You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me jesus is telling the religious people you're in this book but you're not dwelling with me you're not loving me you don't actually know me because this book the scriptures are pointing to me like it's like you you know you you go and and you go to Disneyland, and you stand outside of Disneyland, and you take a picture with a sign, and you're like, we love Disneyland. It's so like You didn't even go in, man. You didn't even enter the park. You didn't actually enjoy and experience everything that Disneyland has to offer, yet many of us oftentimes will kind of just stay at arm's length and stay at a distance. The scriptures are all about Jesus. You know, when you pick up the Old Testament, when you pick up the New Testament, if you have something hard to understand in some way, in some capacity, they're ultimately leading us to an understanding of Jesus. Psalm 23 points us to Jesus. You guys, I just have to say this, because there's even a danger here, and it's a church that, that says we study the Bible. There's even a danger with us here. We don't study the Bible so we know the Bible. We study the Bible so we know our shepherd. We study the Bible so we worship Jesus. And if we get caught up in the Word and thinking that there is eternal life somehow in pages of a Bible, this is the inspired Word of God. But the inspired Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, points us to who? Jesus, our great shepherd when David declares the Lord is my shepherd he is saying the king of kings the creator God infinite in glory knows me and he is mine he is he though he holds all things together with the power of his very word knows how many hairs are on your head because he is your shepherd The man after God's own heart, David, once a shepherd, I want you to see this, describes the relationship between man and God as what? Sheep and shepherd. He's getting specific here. He's showing us how the Lord is his shepherd. It's not like an abstract idea. Yeah, I know God. I I believe in God. I mean, a lot of times, culturally, We are told it doesn't matter what God you believe in as long as you are sincere and try hard, right? It doesn't matter what God, there are infinite amount of gods, it doesn't matter what God you believe in, eventually you will get to some paradise or some hope, wherever your destination is, I believe with sincerity at some point you will get there. You are told you don't have to be specific. You are told by the culture, as long as you feel a spiritual connection with some sort of abstract higher power or being, then in the end it will go well for you. Is that the language Psalm 23 gives us about our relationship with God? And about who God is? David's specificity here of God knowing his sheep and his sheep knowing the shepherd. It's specific. Because we were made to be intimately known by God. We were made to worship God. We were made to recognize him as God. See him as powerful and see him as personal, both and. In fact, Jesus says about himself in John 10, 27, notice the relationship between God and man, shepherd and sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's not like abstraction. That's not like I'm kind of cool with a God. In fact, earlier in that same chapter in John 10 verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Do you see that it's not enough this morning to say, I believe in God? So do Muslims. So do Mormons. Many Eastern religions believe in some sort of external force of power. David knew his God. He knew him, and David's God knew David. In fact, God describing David calls David what? We all know David is a man after what? God's own heart. How would would God know that if God did not intimately, personally know David? And God knows all things, make no mistake, but God did not just know him, but he loved him. So let me ask you, do you know him this morning? Is Jesus your shepherd? Can you say with confidence, can you sing with David in this song, God, the Lord is my shepherd? I hope you can. But listen, maybe you're like, how am I supposed to answer that question? Because some of you sitting here are like, absolutely, the Lord is my shepherd. If if that's right, great. Some of you this morning sitting here, you're like, no. You just know flat no, actually, God is, J- Jesus is not my shepherd. And you know what, if, if it's better to be deceived, it's better to be real than be deceived. I mean, hey, if God isn't your shepherd, be, be real about it. And, may, and then maybe there's some of us who are like, oh, I'm not really know how, how can I, how, can, should I answer that question with confidence? Can I just say the Lord is my shepherd? See, a lot of times, tongue-in-cheek, we may just give an answer without really considering. How can we know the Lord is genuinely our shepherd? Not with just lip service. How can we know the Lord is my shepherd? Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want how you can know. When I was a kid, I would go to Sunday school and at the church that I was going to, they said, if you memorize the Bible verse, that you get a, a, a sucker. And I was like, I want a sucker, right? And so my friend, who was just like a punk rebel kid, he didn't care at all, but he just also wanted sugar high with me. And so he, and I never, I did not know a verse at the time. Like I was like really, li- I was probably six or seven years old. And he's like, just say Psalm 23.1. Just say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd, but I don't want him, right? Like, I don't desire him. Like, that's how I understood that, that verse. I just, I mean, kid at the time, I was like, that's, that's not what David's saying here at all. What David is saying, what David is implying here is if God is your shepherd, then God must be your satisfaction. David says, if the Lord is your shepherd, you will not lack. You will not want anything else because you have everything you need in your shepherd Jesus. That's what he's saying here. It's so freeing. And so listen to me right now. Hear me on this. The amount the lordship of the shepherd has taken hold of your life can be known by the contentment you find in God. Let me say that again and pastor like whoo! what did you just say okay the amount the lordship of the shepherd has taken hold of your life can be known by the contentment you have in God David says the Lord is my shepherd I know this because I don't want anything else um before we go any further, I think it's critical to understand this part of the psalm. If God sees you as, if we are to see God as shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep. If we are going to rightly understand Psalm 23, do you see yourself as a sheep? <laughs> like that went downhill really fast. That was kind of anticlimactic, right? A sheep. Um, may not seem profound because uh, sheep are, I don't know how else to put it, uh, the dumbest, most fragile, helpless animals on the face of this earth. What did you learn in a church today? I'm dumb, I'm helpless, and I'm fragile. Yes and amen, right? Can, can you back that statement up, Pastor, with another verse? Sure, Psalm, or Isaiah 53, six. It's not just implied in Psalm 23. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like what? Sheep have gone astray. So we are dumb, right? Sheep, not only are sheep dumb creatures, but the dumbest sheep are the ones who wander away from the shepherd because they need the shepherd yet isaiah fifty three says the condition of all mankind of you and of me me me, the condition of me is that I have wandered and stray, each has turned his own way. Do you see yourself as a fragile, helpless, dumb sheep in need of a shepherd because there are dangers sheep are often exposed to the to the dangers of this world as we are exposed to the dangers of sin we can get lost and did you know sheep are une- they're une- what is their defense mechanism? <laughs> now if you don't think if you're like alright Travis I hear you like you're pushing back against me a little bit but, but if you don't think you, you, you're a sheep this morning then you think you are strong enough smart enough and able to search for satisfaction apart from Christ. It's that simple. And if that's true, then you don't want a shepherd anyway. And you don't know the voice of the shepherd, and you are unwilling to be led by the shepherd. But guys, hear this. Sheep will either follow a true shepherd or a false one. It's not like a multiple choice here. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a sheep. and I'll, Everyone is a sheep, and everyone follows some she, someone who shepherds them. Who is shepherding you right now? If it's not Jesus. There is a false shepherd, Satan, who lies, who steals, who kills, and who destroys, who is out to ruin your soul, to bring you into danger, and to ruin your eternity. Even Jesus said... If that's not enough, beware of the false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves. I hope we see ourselves as sheep this morning. Because if not, you cannot experience the blessing of Psalm 23. You cannot experience the blessing of Psalm 23 if God is not your shepherd. How could you trust in God if you trust in yourself? How can you find satisfaction in God if you find this world to be too satisfying? Why would you want to be led by God if you think you know what's the best path for your life? No one can learn to trust in God's providence until we learn to distrust our self-providence. No one can learn to trust in God's providence if we first do not learn to distrust our own self-providence. Because when we say the Lord is my shepherd, what we are saying is, Lord, I entrust all of my life to you, all of my desires, because you are, in fact, the King, the Lord over my life. And the sheep of Jesus' fold are satisfied in God. They know God, they allow God to guide them, they allow God to lead them, and they follow Him because the Children of God, the sheep of God's fold, believe God knows what's best for their life, not us. Look at verse two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's why we're satisfied. That's why we're content. Because God is both relational and powerful. See, if God was only relational and not powerful, he would be a sympathetic God who was pathetic. Because he could sympathize with us in our weakness, but he could not save us from our weakness and he could not give us what we need. But if God is only sovereign and powerful, yet not relational and personal, what is God then? He's a madman. But the sovereignty of God means that not only can he make me sit down, that's verse two, he makes me sit down, but he is the one who made the grass. In other words, God is relational enough to say, come here, sit and dine with me. And he is powerful enough to say, oh, and the grass you're eating right now, I made it for you. Or oh, this hill you're standing on, I created it. My shepherd is relational and powerful. We, when we are the object of God's relational care and power, that is when we experience his providence. And what, if there's anything we see from Psalm 23 so far, it's that God is committed to his people. And the reason we as his people shall not want isn't because of a denial of pleasure. Have you ever heard that before? People are like, I don't want your God, I don't want Christianity, because you Christians deny fun. You deny pleasure. You you deny enjoyment. You're just not happy people, right? But the reason we shall not want isn't because of denial of pleasure. We don't want because we receive the greatest pleasure from our shepherd. My wife and I, years ago, when we lived in Southern California, before we moved here, we were doing the rounds over Thanksgiving, right? And like, we have a bunch of family that's all over the place. And so we were invited to three Thanksgivings on three Thanksgiving dinners in one day. And so guess what? We went to all three of them. And we knew that the first place we were going had the best food than all the other places, right? So what did we do? I was like, so we sat down, we ate, and uh, I ate, and I ate, and I binged. I mean, I just like shoved it in to the point of gluttony and sin because I knew that that was the best place to eat. And so when we went to the other two places, like, hey, Travis, why don't you hungry? Come here. Here's Here's a plate of food. Here's a plate. I'm like, I literally cannot shove another object of food in my mouth right now. I'm so full. I have no appetite. When you are satisfied and you're shepherd with your God, you have no appetite or your appetite is at least decreased for the things of this world. Taste and see that the Lord is good and when you do, the world will never taste the same. He can satisfy. He will satisfy. He does satisfy. And so our satisfaction is not the focus of us pursuing happiness. We pursue God because in pursuing God, we believe there is fullness of joy. That at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. What I love about that is it's not like there is partial joy. Like, hey, come to Jesus and you'll get like 50% joy and then you've got to figure out the other 50%. Fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures temporary. No, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You guys, this is is what it means in part to be Christian. As Christians, we believe the most satisfying life is found in Christ. And so what does he do? He leads us beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And even if it's a dark valley, as we will soon talk about, no matter what, God, our contentment is not found in things, but it is found in God. Do you see that the... the, the weight, the experience David had with the shepherd, it so changed him, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love what Paul tells young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6. he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, you can experience sanctification and justification from the grace of God. You can be holy but not content. But Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to also notice, look at verse two again. (laughs) Look at the language that is used here. Honestly, I find it comical, but whatever. Um, He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. (laughs) So in other words, you could sit down if you wanted to, but if you're not, you will be forced to sit down by God, right? Hey, sheep, would you please sit down? No. Okay, you're sitting down right now. (laughs) He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, it's, it's interesting because sheep don't like to sit down. Sheep, did you know they don't like to be forced to stay in one place to eat? They're discontent. They often like to go to other places. They'd rather stand and wander as they often do. And so when sheep attempt to rebel and escape from the shepherd, or they continuously go off the beaten path because the sheep are dumb and they're kind of naive, the shepherd will go after that lost sheep, take it back to the fold, and the shepherd will do what? Make it lie down in the green pasture it's supposed to be in. But... If that sheep continues to wander and stray, the shepherd will once again pursue that lost and wandering sheep. Only this time, once he gets the sheep in his possession, you know what he does? He bends down, takes the leg of the sheep and breaks it. And the sheep is in pain, it's calling out. And the shepherd takes the sheep, throws it on its shoulders, carries it back to the safety of the sheepfold. And until that leg heals on that sheep, that shepherd will carry the sheep wherever it needs to go. And during that time, the sheep learns to hear the voice of the shepherd, learns to be near the shepherd, and learns to trust the loving care of the shepherd. So that by the time that leg is healed, that one straying lost sheep will be the one nearest to the shepherd for the rest of its life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Has God broken you? It's okay. Because his grace will carry you. It will sustain you in your weakness. And it will force you and cause you to learn and trust in him and hear him and hear his voice in ways you never thought were possible before. God is relentless in his grace and he will not be finished with you until he gets all of you. it for many of us. For Paul, it was a thorn in the flesh. For Job, it was taking everything he had. I don't know what it is for you and for me, but he is a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. See, Psalm 23, we often make it about trusting in God, and it is. It's about trusting in God, but I think Psalm 23 is mostly about God's faithfulness to faithless sheep. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to be pressed to find a lot of things to do for you in this verse. It's mostly in these verses. Psalm 23 is mostly about God carrying us as his own. Because we belong to God. We are his. I want you to turn to John 10 in closing. And As you turn to the Gospel of John, we're going to be from verses 11 to verses 16. Uh, to give you a background on what's happening here, it's Jesus is speaking to Israel, the chosen elect nation of God. They've experienced God's blessing. Psalm 23 only applied to Jews during that time, to true Israel. And so building on this language throughout the Bible of the shepherd, Jesus is now actually going to reach back to Psalm 23 and other sections of verses and apply the good shepherd being himself. In fact, if you look at verse 11, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, Jews hearing that word, I am, would immediately be like, I am? Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, you are saying that you are the great I am? You're declaring to be God here? The, The great I am statement is where God says, I am and there is no other. I am and there is none like me. And Jesus is taking what God had said in the Old Testament and applying to himself because Jesus is God. And Jesus is God. Jesus says, I am. I am the what? The good shepherd here. Jesus is the good shepherd of Psalm 23 jesus is the great i am jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father but by me before abraham was jesus told the religious i am what else does jesus say i am the bread of life so here jesus though he's declaring to be god jews would have understood this this would have been shocking to their system i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd does what lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep, but I am the good shepherd, he says it again. I know my own, and my own know. Me. Do you see the personal relationship of the shepherd with his sheep? Verse 15, just as, as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Let's just, uh, really quick, how well does God, the Son, know God the Father? Is there any more knowing that could happen? This is most. And as Jesus and God know one another from eternity past, So God knows you. Jesus says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Wow. See, for Israel, they did not think they would fully experience the care of the shepherd until they went up to heaven. But in reality, Jesus is the shepherd come down from heaven to care for them. The shepherd has come for them. The shepherd has come for you so that you could say like David, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is showing them the Lord of David was himself. The only way a shepherd, the shepherd, could still be good to his sheep and remain just is if he deals with our sin. Because if he is a just shepherd and he does not deal with our sin, we will be consumed by the valley of the shadow of death or a ravenous wolf And burn in eternal condemnation forever. The only way Jesus, the good shepherd, could be good to his sheep and still remain just is if he deals with our sin, if he saves us from our lost rebellion, if he keeps those he saves till the end. So let me just hear, hear, let, let me ask you a couple questions here in closing Are you hesitant of the shepherd? Or maybe you're, you're asking yourself this question, how can I know Jesus as a good shepherd? How can I know I can entrust my life to him? Or are you a sheep already this morning, but maybe you are a skittish and insecure sheep? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for you on the cross to take your punishment, to absorb the wrath of God. That by becoming the Lamb of God that was slain for the sin of the world. Isn't that crazy? That God not just becomes a shepherd, but that he becomes the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Is the Lord your shepherd? Let's pray. Father God, as I am praying, with our heads bowed, eyes closed, and as we reflect on who you are, maybe we are not a sheep. Maybe we are unwilling to see ourselves in need of salvation. Lord Jesus, be the good shepherd and save us from danger. If you've heard the voice of Jesus this morning through his word being declared, confess, repent, and believe. I pray God would do the work of saving and bringing us to himself. This morning, if you're an insecure sheep, be reminded that Jesus is a good shepherd who cares for you, who carries you, who leads, who guides, who makes us sit down. Are you content with this world? I pray that God by His Spirit would show you and reveal to you your unhappiness from sin and the way you've tried to live your life so that you would trust in the good shepherd. Father God, by Your Scriptures speak to our soul. May we hear Your voice even if you don't know why you were here this morning. It's because Jesus the shepherd brought you here. Enter by salvation through Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.